Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. open to Acts chapter 16. We'll be looking again starting at verse 6. This is one of those passages where it's very easy to miss some really important things going on because there are some really big things going on that just jump out right at you. Uh, normally when we look at this paragraph of scripture, the title of the sermon is something like the Macedonian call. And the idea is that we as believers in Christ uh, receive a call to go to other lands, other places, other peoples that we wouldn't choose, but God has chosen to send us to them, and we need to answer the call of missions. And that certainly is the primary uh, purpose and thrust of the passage. I mean, I think that's the, the main reason why the Holy Spirit inspired uh, Luke to put it there, is to explain how did the message of the gospel cross the Aegean Sea and get into what we call today Greece. And uh, it, it explains that. But I like this passage of Scripture also uh, because of some of the underlying currents that are going on in there. And one of the things that happens is that Paul and Silas think they know what they're doing, and God keeps telling them, no, you don't. They think they know they should go and preach into Asia, and the Holy Spirit says, no, I don't want you to preach there. And they want to go and they want to preach into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus says, no, I don't want you to preach there. I mean, I just sort of like the idea that somebody like Paul and Silas, that, that these guys, as good as they were, superstars of the faith, got it wrong. I mean, the Germans call that schadenfreude, you know. We're just sort of glad to see that somebody else is, is, is as messed up as we are. But there, there's something else that, that goes on there. And I just want to remind you that so much of our lives is lived in the spaces between the verses of the Bible. You know, a lot of times we're going through reading a passage of Scripture. We're reading about, say, David and Goliath. And there's David, and he says, well, you know, I'm going to go out and fight Goliath. And the very next verse, he's fighting Goliath and winning. Do you know how much time was in the spaces between that? How much time David had to think about that? We read the, 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 um, um, the account of the life of Christ, and uh, so often we read problem-solution, problem-solution going on, and we forget that between the announcement of the problem and the solution, a lot of times there was, there was a great deal of time that went on in there, and somebody had to live out the spaces between the verses. Is this registering with you? You see, in the book of Acts, here in, verse, in chapter 16, as we're reading along, we read, well, Paul and Silas tried to preach into Asia, and the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't do that. Oh, well, go on to the next verse. They had to live between the verses. They had to live with the fact that God said no to the ministry to which they thought they had been called. This had got to be confusing. I mean, it must have been absolutely mind-boggling to think, I've given my life to ministry and to missions. I'm willing to suffer. I have suffered. I've come a great distance, and here I am to preach Jesus. What could be more a part of the will of God than this? To preach Jesus to all peoples, and I get ready to preach, and the Holy Spirit says, not so fast. 
that's not my design for you. Because in my life, a lot of times, I thought I was clear on what the will of God is. And God said in one way or another, no, that's not exactly what I had in mind. And I find myself a lot of times living in between the verses. Living with the problem and not getting to the answer quite yet. Is that something that's part of your life? You know, as you're looking for the will of God, and, uh, and it might be a relationship, it might be at your work, it might be a family, uh, what, whatever it is, you know, there's something going on, and you have this need to know, what is it that God wants me to do? And you think you know what it is, and God says, no, I'm not telling you what I want you to do, but that's not it. And you're left. And you're just waiting, what do I do? And it's in that space between the verses that you're living. You know, in those moments, of course, we, we go about the process of, uh, of trying to discern the will of God, and, the, and there's some very basic principles that uh, should be a part of that process. First of all, make sure you're saved. You know, the primary will of God for your life is that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Um, you can look at the Bible and get principles and helpful wisdom and Proverbs and, you know, all these other things. But ultimately, if you don't come to the cross and confess your sins and ask Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, as we saw witness just a few moments ago in the waters of baptism, if you haven't come to the cross for salvation, you will not know the will of God, the ultimate primary will of God for your life because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that, that is the, the, the first step to knowing the will of God is to come and surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just start right there. Then being a believer in Jesus Christ, obey the things that you do know about the will of God. And I suspect most of us know more about what God wants us to do than we're doing right now. I'm pretty sure God wants me to be loving, kind, and generous. But because I'm loving, kind, and generous, I move on to other things. Now, there's such, a, there's such a distance between the kind of love God wants me to have and the kind of love that I have, the kind of generosity that he wants me to have that reflects the generosity of his grace and the generosity I have that is calculated and, and conditional and has asterisks next to it and those kinds of things. The distance between what, what, what my life is and what I know God wants us to be, there, there's a pretty good gap. And so as we're working through these problems of, you know, how do we know the will of God? What is the God, will of God in this big area of my life over here? What's going on over here? At least I know what the will of God is for my life as uh, lined out in Scripture in terms of Christ, Christ-like character and, and graces and, and living for Him and those, those kinds of things. So obey the things that you do know about the, the, the love of, of God. And then get deep into the Scriptures. Get deep into the Word of God. A lot of times just in reading the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and you'll see something that you hadn't seen before or you'll see it connected to your life in a way that it hadn't been connected before. And so as you get deeper into the Word of God, the Holy Spirit uses the, the, the words of Scripture to speak to our hearts. And uh, so as we get into the Word of God, then we start to think in scriptural categories. We think in terms of the, of the way the biblical writers were moved and inspired to, to think. And so we start to analyze life and we start to look at it through the lenses of the Word of God. So get into the Scripture, start reading the Word and abiding in the Word in um, all these things. And then get some advice of loving brothers and sisters in Christ. 
you know. A lot of times when I'm looking for the will of God, I have a certain vision of it and I can see what it is, but everything is just lined up from where I am. I need a brother or sister in Christ who's standing in a different spot and who can say, you know, you're not seeing some things. All you can see is this, this line of, of obstacles. You don't see that behind them are these things waiting to bless you. Or I see, you know, all green lights here, and they, and they can stand over and say, yeah, but you don't see the red light that's hiding behind the tree that I can see. See, when we uh, go to brothers and sisters, ask them to pray for us and counsel with us and, and discuss with us, and we get their insights, it's not like they're going to be um, less fallible than we are, but they will have a different perspective. And two perspectives is called giving dimension to how we view things. And so get the advice. Get the advice of family. Get the advice of friends. Get the advice of people who love you. But most of all, get the advice of other believers in Jesus Christ who are attuned to the work of the Holy Spirit and who uh, have as their goal to bring you closer to the Savior in however that problem is being worked out. So, um, you know, get the, the advice of, uh, of others in that, in that regard. And then pray. You know, why didn't we start with prayer? Well, you do start with prayer. This, this whole process is a, is a matter of prayer. But keep in prayer. Pray and pray and pray and pray. Because prayer is conversation with God. It's not just talking to God. It is listening to God. Pour out your heart before the Savior. Pour out your heart before the throne. And uh, let God then speak to you in a way uh, that you are attuned to listening and have your ears open as you go through life as God would speak in one way or another. So uh, those kinds of things, make sure you're saved, obey what you know about uh, the will of God already, be immersed in the Scriptures, reading the Scriptures, getting the advice of other uh, believers in Jesus Christ, and then also prayer, 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 bathe the whole thing in prayer. Now here's the, the problem that I have, and that is having gone through all that, there are some places in my life where I still don't get direction. In fact, what I get is more of the Holy Spirit saying no, the Spirit of Jesus forbidding. You know, there's places in my life where I'm still struggling with that. And that's why this passage of Scripture is such an, um, a comfort to me when I say this is the way God has always worked, and it's the way he works in the, uh, the lives uh, even of the great saints of, of the Bible. Look, look at this scripture for me very quickly. They went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. You know, Paul was a sincere guy. I think he was sincere, don't you? I'm pretty sure that Paul's heart desire was that the people of Asia would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that Paul's sole motivation was that others would come into contact with the grace of God and be brought into this great adventure called the family of God by the uh, shed blood of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that was his motivation. And yet the Holy Spirit says, Paul, not you. Not you into Asia. And I'm living in between that verse and the next one. I'm living at that point where the Holy Spirit says, no, not this, not what you thought. But here's the thing. As I'm looking into the future, I have, I have long-term vision. I'm, I'm really looking deeply into the future, and I can imagine and foresee what my actions will mean for about the next three to four months. 
You know, and, and if I'm, I'm, I'm sort of on a, on a roll, I might tell you, well, I can see a couple of years ahead what, what this is going to mean for my life. I'm looking a few months, maybe a few years ahead. God is looking into eternity. And I'm looking at folks and I'm saying, you know, they really need my ministry or they really need my decision. They, they, they need something. And, and I'm looking at that because I love these people. And then God says, you know, I happen to love them more than you do. And not only that, I have a better handle on what's good for them than you do. And not only are you looking at the situation just a few months ahead of time, I'm looking to history past and to history future. I'm looking eternity both directions. And while you're trying to imagine what your life means in the world around you, God knows what it means in the entire universe. It's kind of like God is bigger than we are. It's almost as if he knows more than we do. Okay, you get that. So uh, Paul's there, he says, I want to preach in Asia, and it's the Holy Spirit that says, no, I don't want you to do that. But then look what happens. They say, okay, fine, that's good. When they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. Haven't you always wanted to go to Bithynia? I just love, you know, when I see Bithynia and the pictures on, on YouTube about people in Bithynia, Bithynia National Forest, haven't you, Jim? Okay. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. The Spirit of Jesus said, no, I don't want you to do that. And now at this point, having twice been told by God, no, I'm about ready to say, okay, then you do it. You know, fine. You don't want me? I can get along just fine. Uh, I have hobbies. I have other interests. I can do other things. God, if you don't want me, I'm, I'm out of here. That's how my uh, nature wants to respond. And that's why Paul keeps going. And the, uh, the thing is that God keeps him from, you know, slipping into that kind of throw your hands up, give up, I don't know what to do. And God does give him that call, and he resolves the situation. But he does so in a way that Paul would never have imagined. When Paul and Silas set out on this trip, they didn't say, where do you want to go? Well, let's go to Asia, and then let's go to Bithynia, and then let's go to Macedonia. Where? Macedonia. Can't find it on the map. Well, that's okay, Macedonia, let's go there. No, their thought was, let's go visit the churches we've already seen. That was their plan. That's what Asia was. And so they said, well, let's just go visit the, our comfort zone. Let's go visit the churches we know. And the Holy Spirit says, no, not your comfort zone. I want you to go out there into, into Galatia. I want the word to get out into Galatia. Okay, fine, we'll go to Galatia. At least it's only across the border. Uh, you know, there's, there's not much of a, a change in itinerary. So they get up into Galatia, and they say, well, that's fine. Let's go next door to that Bithynia. That makes sense. And God says, no, I want you to turn from going east. I want you to go west. And I want you to start talking to people called Macedonians. And to their credit, Paul and Silas said, good enough for us. That's where we're going to go. But in between the verses, there's that hard part of what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And again, you know, you make sure of your salvation, update your relationship with Christ, obey what you know, get deep into the Scriptures, get the advice of brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, be sure that you're praying the whole time. But make a decision. Make a decision. What if it's the wrong decision? 
Did you know that God is able to cause all things to work together for his good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Did you know that even if you make the so-called wrong decision, God can bring himself glory out of it? Did you know that he's got the universe set up, that nothing that happens is outside of his control? You know, do, do something, make a decision, say, Lord, as best I understand it, this is where I, I, I think you want us to go. I'm, I'm pretty sure you want us to go to Asia, and the door closes. This is why I call it the broken nose theory of doing the will of God. Because after that door slams shut, you say, well, okay, but at least there's Bithynia, Lord. Pow! Well, there's Macedonia, Lord. (laughs) We're not sure about this. Broken noses for the glory of God. You know, you're not going to like this much. But, you know, we're kind of like mice. I told you you wouldn't like this. But, you know... Think of yourself as a mouse. You know, you know the, the, the mice they put in the little mazes in the laboratories? You, you've seen this, haven't you? You, they, they, you put the mouse at the little beginning of the maze thing, and there's a piece of cheese at the other end, and this poor little mouse has to go and find out where the cheese is somehow. Now, mice are not very smart. Some of you are smarter than mice. If you laugh, that, no. <laughs> Mice aren't that smart, but here's the deal about the mouse. You put the mouse in the maze, and the mouse never once does this. Well, I'm in a maze. Do I go left or do I go right? I don't know. What's the best thing to do? Because mice don't know about the rule of right-hand turns and solving mazes. We'll talk about that later. But the mouse says, I don't know what to do. Do I go left or do I go right? If I go left, what is that the wrong way? But if I go right, what if that's the wrong way? I have no idea what to do. Poor little mouse starves to death, not knowing what to do. Can't make a decision. This dumb mouse, you know what he does? He says, oh, I don't know. I think I'll go left. <laughs> he runs into a wall. Pow! Well, there was a wall there. And he goes back the other way. And he, and he turns and he, and he finds himself back where he started. Yep, yeah, I'm back where he started. And he goes out the other way, turns left again. Pow, it hits him. Well, I didn't know about that one. It keeps going. Now he goes to the right-hand turn. He keeps going. This idiot of a mouse. This, I'm sorry to all the mice in the room. But, you know, this, this mouse, he keeps going and he keeps going. And every time he runs into a wall, he just turns around and takes another route and keeps going. And eventually he gets the cheese. Because a mouse knows a very important secret. If you keep going long enough, you'll get there. If you keep going long enough. But if you stand still, God can't lead you. If you stand still and do nothing, God cannot direct you. It's when you're moving in obedience, as best you understand it, making that decision, it Some of them might be so-called wrong, but God is greater than that. And you keep on moving. Because here's what you understand. The will of God is not about having a magical formula whereby you can skate through life. Knowing the will of God is not having such insight that you always are right and nothing wrong ever happens. The will of God is all about God. God is glorified when we seek to do His will. 
Jesus said to his disciples, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, you'll find it. Knock, it'll be open to you. Now the thing is, in, in that verse, those three verbs, ask, seek, and knock, are all called present tense imperatives. Um, English has one imperative form, but in Greek you have all kinds of imperatives. But this is a present tense imperative. Here's what it means. Ask and keep on asking. Be about the process of asking. Be constantly asking, and you will receive. Be constantly seeking. Seeking and seeking and seeking, and then you'll find it. Keep knocking and knocking and knocking. Keep on and continuously be knocking, and it will be opened unto you. If you keep moving, doors might slam in your face. You might wind up with a broken nose, but you can have a broken nose for the glory of God. You may thank me for not imitating what that sounds like, but it goes through my mind. And so Paul and Silas on this journey, they've got the door closing in on them, you know, shutting in their face, easy to become discouraged, yet they kept moving. Now let me show you one other thing about this passage. In verse 6, the Scripture says, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit. We've already seen in the book of Acts that the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit is central uh, from the day of Pentecost and the first sermon that Peter preached, it was all about receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit poured out upon the church. Uh, Holy Spirit given to every believer. That's how they could verify, authenticate a, an experience with Christ. The Holy Spirit given to every believer, the very presence of God in your life for guidance, power. And so the Holy Spirit. But then in verse 7, it says, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, folks, it's not as though the Holy Spirit said, well, Paul and Silas, you blew it, closed the door, went over and said, Jesus, you handle them. And Jesus comes over and he says, well, I'll try that. No, they can't do it. And he goes to God the Father and says, Father, you handle them. No, it's one God in three persons. This is why we teach the Trinity. This is what the Trinity means. This is, this is where the Trinity comes from, passages like this. You cannot understand them unless you know that God is one in three persons. All right? Because later on then in verse 10, it says, concluding that God had called us to preach. That word God, whenever you read it in the New Testament, 99.9, maybe 98% of the time, translated in your mind, God the Father. This is, this is the way, especially in the letters of Paul, um, that, that uh, uh, God is referred to, God the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all working in these guys' lives. And so when you hit that spot where you're between the verses, you're in that little space between the verses, and you're struggling to know what God wants you to do, and you're struggling with the will of God, and maybe it's gone on your whole life, maybe it's a situation that just seems like it'll never resolve, here's what I suggest you do. First of all, pray for the will of God to the glory of God the Father. Because that's why you were created. That's why you're here. You are here to glorify God. Look for how you can glorify God in that situation whether it is an answer that you feel like will glorify God or simply a faithfulness in the midst of questions that will glorify God. In that process of looking for what God would have you uh, to do and to be, make sure that you're glorifying God the Father. That's why you were created, and ultimately that is God's will for your life. That's why we've been singing. We've been practicing for heaven. 
You know? And when we get to heaven, we're going to hear all kinds of instruments and all kinds of music. We're going to hear choirs. We're going to hear soloists. We're going to hear that guy behind you who can't sing. By the way, the person in front of you thinks that you're the person I just referred to. <laughs> but we're going to glorify God for all eternity. And then look for how you can glorify the Son. Jesus Christ was sent so that he might take upon himself the human condition. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh to show us what we're missing here, to show us and to reveal to us the glory of what God intended us to be uh, as his creation. So Jesus Christ took flesh upon himself, lived a sinless life, and in Jesus Christ we see the person we ought to be. God's will for our lives is that we be conformed to the image of his Son, that we become those people who look like Jesus. That's, that's God's will for your life. So look for how you can glorify the Son in that situation. And thirdly, look for how you can glorify the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the reason Christians can do all kinds of things the world cannot do. The Holy Spirit is the reason why Christians can forgive and forgive, and when they're out of forgiveness, they get a whole new supply of forgiveness by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the reason we can remain faithful to our Lord in a world that is spurning Him and rejecting Him. The Holy Spirit is the reason why we can dare to stand up and proclaim His name to a world that is threatening and hostile towards the gospel. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers Christians to do things that we would never dream of doing. Look for how the Holy Spirit can be glorified as you dare great things by faith. So when you're in between the verses, you're in that little little blank spot between the verses and you're, and you're struggling with, you know, God keeps saying, no, I don't get an answer. I keep getting doors closed. My, my nose is actually starting to hurt now. When you're in that spot, seek to glorify God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And make that decision. And then act on it. My, my counsel is make, it, make the decision and live with it if you can for about a week. And they say, well, Lord, I think you want me to be going in this, this direction. And then everything that happens in your life for that week, say, okay, if I, if I act on this decision, how would this look? How would that happen? What, what would that mean? And you'll start to see ramifications and things working out, and, and you'll get confirmation or you'll get redirection uh, as you look for the will of God. But make that decision, act on it by faith according to the leadership of God's Holy Spirit. Because when you stand still, it's very hard. God can do anything he wants, but it, it, it get, it's very hard for God to move us when we're just standing still, some kind of spiritual pity party or something like that, okay? So what I want for you to do this week, I want you to think about that one place in your life that is a total confusion to you because you can't figure out what God is doing and you have no idea what God's will is for you. I'm guessing you didn't have to think very long before that, that place in your life occurred to you. I want you to take that that place and bring it before God and say, God, you know, I'm trusting you enough that it, whatever answer you give me, I'm going to act on it. But you know, Lord, if you don't want to give me an answer at all, that's okay with me because I think you've got it figured out better than I do. And if your will for me is to live with this, this, this problem or this situation, I just want to do it for your glory. I want to manifest who your son is. I want to make Jesus known by how uh, I respond, and I want the Holy Spirit to be honored as I'm obedient. 
to take that spot in your life that is just baffling you right now because it's between the verses and just give it to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you do, you'll be living out this wonderful fact. The will of God is all about God. I want for us to pray together, then we'll come to the Lord's table and remember the cross. Let's pray together. And Father, thank you. Thank you for working in our lives, for the ways in which we see you working. But Father, we even thank you for those places that still to us are something of a, of a confusement, things that we still are working on. Uh, Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be poured out. Give us greater insight. Give us greater understanding. But, Father, especially give us greater trust and faith that you indeed do all things well. Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Use this for your glory. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.